This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and it is Tuesday morning, and I am joined, of course, by the great cousin, Sal. Of Sal, course. how's it going? It's going great, buddy. That's a nice, what is that, a nice little cardigan? Yeah, it's fall, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not quite chilly here in Los We're in sunny Los Angeles, right? It's still nice out, but it you know, I nice. got a nice jacket on. I wish on, I would have right? been invited to your 60th birthday party, <laughs> but I guess I uh, didn't make the Next make year. The Always okay. next year. Okay. Uh, we can make that happen, but let's talk about Monday Night Football, because uh, it was a game last night that had a lot of people scratching their heads. Yeah. The Minnesota Vikings, the team that many have deemed uh, ready to tank, ready to trade Kirk Cousins. Unfortunately, they got a big win against the San Francisco 49ers, and Kirk Cousins looked pretty good in this game, Sal. He did look good. It was a bigger game. These all are for the Vikings if they're going to stick around and not trade Kirk Cousins, not mm-hmm. become sellers at the deadline in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, they are all of a sudden a half a game behind Tampa for that last spot in the NFC with a team that he lost to, I believe, in the beginning of the year. It's hard to believe. But I like them at 3-1 to one to win the division. They really brought it all together and doing it all without Justin Jefferson. Right, 2-0 and o right now without Justin Jefferson, yeah. and that says something. I mean, somebody might point out that could be a Ewing Theory conversation, Ooh, but it won't be us. Who would say that? We, would, we won't say that. No. Uh, we won't do that here. But it was a game that uh, was a little bit, uh, you know, afterwards, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, of course, 49ers head coach, said that we have to deal with a loss like a man. This is the first time that the 49ers have lost back-to-back games since week six and week seven last year. Um, are we worried right now a little bit about the 49ers? I think so. You know, everybody gets up for my Cowboys. I know this is sour grapes, <laughs> but this is what happens. They crush the Cowboys on that Sunday night, and then what happened? They go to Cleveland. They lose that game. Kicker has problems. Purdy not looking great. Bad weather. And now they come uh, and lose in Minnesota which is tough, you know. I feel like everybody has to be on board. If they have any injuries, they're in trouble. I'm not going to say they're like any other team, but they're like any other good team. Mm. Let's talk about uh, what we expect now from a quarterback that's supposed to be good, and that's Brock Purdy. Mm. A lot of people have been waiting for the uh, downfall of Brock Purdy. They've been trying to plot on his demise. He did not look great in this game through two picks. After the game, he said he forced the second one at the end of the game. The other one he said just was a bad throw, so I don't know what the difference is there, but at Mm. least he's acknowledging the reality of what's going on. Are we hitting the panic button yet on Brock Purdy? I don't know. It is weird because a couple weeks ago I was screaming on how this guy can, should get an extension, mm. um, even though I don't think he's eligible for an extension. But <laughs> And now it's like, well, there was weather in that Cleveland game, right. and there's injuries in this game, and, you know, just like – now we're making excuses for this guy. But if the weather's not great and he has to come from behind to win, 
Maybe he can't do it. Maybe he's not that guy. I'm not hitting the panic button, even though it sounds like I am. I still think he's one of the top echelon, like middle tier to top echelon quarterback. So, and he doesn't okay. have Trent Williams in this game. He right. doesn't have Debo Samuel in yeah. this game. And like you said, we don't want to, you know, try to defend him too much. But there is some caveats that can be made when you talk about Brock Purdy right now. You know, I looked it up. Do you know where he was drafted? 262, right? That's he was the last. I wish they had a name for that, but he was like, can't, I would say something if I were him. I was like, right. hey, I was the last draft. Right. Get Give off me my a nickname, back. right? Like exactly. Mr. Irrelevant or something. Yeah, Who right. knows? I'm doing yeah. pretty good for an irrelevant guy. Yeah, let's talk about a relevant guy, Christian McCaffrey, because he just <laughs> set an NFL record here uh, 16 consecutive games with mm. a touchdown. If you were looking that up at home, OJ Simpson did have the record with 15 games. Oh, good things to come then for <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, well, 16 straight games. That's pretty impressive. And also yeah. had a fumble in this game, but did have two touchdowns he did he had 96 i believe combined yards and uh, it sounds crazy to say that's a problem but i almost feel like he has to get like in the 130 140 range if there's no debo samuel you know uh offensively to push them in the uh, pass offense so i don't know yeah great keeps that streak alive but i think it was a few yards short of getting them to the finish line. Yeah, and also like a big fumble in this game as well. So mm-hmm. McCaffrey wasn't perfect. No one's been perfect right now in the Niners the past couple of weeks. But on the flip side of that, we'll talk about the Vikings because Kirk Cousins, like I said, was the big name at the trade deadline. All the Jets fans a couple of weeks ago, they were saying, hey, we have some interest. Maybe Kirk Cousins could come here. Yeah. We looked at contenders, right, that could be if they had a quarterback, maybe Atlanta if they make the trade. But right now the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins look like that could just be the place to be. And he had the top ten chain on that Justin Jefferson gave him. And he yeah. looked like he was having a great time out I there. I saw that. And, you know, he was 2-10 and 10 entering this game on Monday Night Football. So if you're a team that's going to trade for him, you're like, hey, uh, we like this guy, but well, let's check our schedule. <laughs> Do we play Monday night? Can we, we have to play when the light's out, when there's sun and everything else, because this guy can't win. No, he won. I thought he had one of his strongest games I've seen, right? What did he end up? Uh, 378 yards, two touchdowns, phenomenal game. Uh, made a star out of Jordan Addison, who I know we're going to talk about in a second. Maybe yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. right now. Let's okay. talk about it because yeah. Jordan Addison, like you said, he threw two touchdowns and they were both to Jordan Addison. Yeah. In fact, Jordan Addison made one of the most impressive passes of the night that Ty Chandler ended up getting called back for a holding right. on uh, Osborne, I believe. But regardless, Jordan Addison was great in this game. He's a rookie. He kind of made his statement and had the most fantasy points of anyone on the Vikings. And in yes. case you missed it, Justin Jefferson was the number one pick in most fantasy drafts. Yes, and in case you missed it, I beat the parlay <laughs> kid by four points. Oh. I I was down 20 points of fan. Where's my camera? Take that, Parley kid. All these cameras. Lost down by 24 points. I win that game. Yeah, Jordan Addison is all of a sudden a, a special receiver. Uh, made famous on primetime. Yeah, and we saw it happen, uh, you know, at USC last year. You could see the kind of writing on the wall that he could be a good player. But I didn't expect something like this, especially in a Monday night football game. So and was to- hurt and came right. back in. Like, when you, he was hurt, you're like, oh, he's out. They're going to have trouble closing this game. And had a big catch down the stretch. Yeah, had some nice drama behind it. And that leads us to our track to the future because we want to talk more about Jordan Addison. If you look at the Offensive Rookie of the Year odds, obviously C.J. Stroud had a bye this week. He's the favorite going into this game. He was at minus 185. Puka Nakua, our guy, was at plus 320. Bijan Robinson, who struggled a little bit this weekend, um, you know, had to share some of the reps. He's at plus 1,700. Mm. Zay Flowers had a big weekend. He's at plus 2,000. But coming into tonight, Jordan Addison was at plus 2,200, Sal. Yeah. Are you licking your chops at that one for Offensive Player of the it's Year? It's pretty good. Uh, I think Jefferson's going to come back eventually, so mm-hmm. that's going to uh, a little stick in the mud there for Jordan Addison. But listen, I'm holding on to C.J. Stroud 10-1 to ticket. 10-1 to odds. And now he's minus 185. He had the week off, so not a lot of buzz around the bye week, but 
about you want to give me money? You want to give me three hundred dollars? Yeah, that ten to one. You want to give me that? Just give me that jacket. Yeah, now. yeah. I think yeah. That, yeah, it's probably not quite that, but we'll no, see what we not. can do out it's here not. in in, in uh, downtown LA. But uh, Puka Nakua was the one that we were kind of high on early. It feels like right. he's faltered a little bit. I'm um, just looking at the trending up, trending down of the weekend. Zay Flowers, another one. I mean, had a great game for Baltimore. Do you think he's another name to keep in the mix as well? Solid. Why not? As mm-hmm. long as uh, Lamar Jackson's going to work him into that offense, sure, they should be able to score points. And d- is it worrisome that the number one pick, right, Bryce Young, is not even on the board right now mm-hmm. as we talk about rookies of the year? I mean, I know as a Panthers fan, yeah. maybe I'm harping on this a little too much, but you would yeah. hope the number one pick is at least involved in the conversation. Not saying he has to win, mm-hmm. but he's not even in the conversation, so. Yeah, not worrisome for me because, like I said, I have C.J. Stroud, and you're a Panthers <laughs> fan, so I can see why it's worrisome for you. But, no, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I know. You're okay. Let's talk about uh, another track to the future. Let's talk offensive player of the year because uh, a lot of conversations being had. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey setting records, so mm-hmm. he's someone to talk about. He's at plus 250 coming into tonight. Tyreek Hill is the favorite at plus 125. Do you think Tyreek Hill is uh, unstoppable here? Do you think he's the one to beat? Yeah, he just, he didn't have a spectacular game. Boy, they're, so, they're just so great to watch. They just both <laughs> seem so much better than the defenses they're playing. And McCaffrey, what, has 730 yards and nine touchdowns uh, combined. But Tyreek Hill is just dazzling. He has 900 yards, seven touchdowns receiving. He is on pace for 93 touchdowns this year. No, I made that. Oh up. man, on, I was, was going to say that. You're not that good. Yeah, right. My head just started spinning right there. <laughs> I, I think like, it's Tyreek Hill. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Tyreek Hill, and but of course, Tua would have to stay healthy. I do think uh, you know in college football we always have these moments where you're like, that's the Heisman moment, right? Or that's the Do- Doak Walker moment, right? For running mm-hmm. running back, you have the names, you know, uh, even Ray Guy. If it's a great punt, you're like, that's a Ray Guy type moment right there. Right. We need names for these awards, you know, just not the AP Offensive Player of the yeah, Year, right. the AP Rookie of the Year. Can we come up with some names? Unless AP is Adrian Peterson. They right. can make a very slight pivot there. And, and then they can call it the, the AD because it's all day. That's what Adrian right. Peterson is, exactly. right? That's his nickname. So like maybe it. we'll figure that out someday. Uh, I think later we figured date. it out. I think yeah. we just figured it out. Yeah, well, in the present tense, we did. Let's keep it in the future, though, because we're tracking the future. Let's look at the NFC one seed. We got the 49ers going into tonight. They were the favorites at plus 105. The Eagles at plus 185. And your Dallas Cowboys at plus 800. Yeah. Um, obviously, the 49ers are not going to be the favorites probably after tonight. I'm sure that number will move. Mm. The Eagles will bump up a little bit. But do you think that they're the surefire pick to win the NFC? I think they are. And honestly, before we even, you know, before the Monday night game, I thought they were the pick. Uh, it's six and one now versus five and two. So they have the game advantage. Plus, look at the 49ers. They have a tough slog ahead. It was kind of, they really needed this one. They have the Bengals, the Jags, the Seahawks twice. They have the Ravens. And then at Philly on December 3rd, I'm sure it'll mean something towards that one seed. But. I don't know, you lose a couple of those in there, and all of a sudden Philly could have a two, three-game lead going into that game. Yeah, I don't like to read schedules because I feel like – Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Guys, can we cut well, that well, out? Well, people get upset uh, when you read right. schedules at them, but when you do look at the 49ers' schedule, and you pointed this to me while we were watching the game on Monday night, yeah. I mean, it is kind of a gauntlet for them to go through, and mm-hmm. if there was ever a time for the public, like I said, they've been chomping at the bit to go after Purdy, right. this might be the time because the schedule is not going to be kind. They're going to have the Bengals come to town next week. That's it's going to be a tough game, and yeah. you know it's tough sledding down the stretch. And if Brock Purdy doesn't perform, then you get the Jimmy G believers coming out of the woodwork, and they're mm. saying, "See, Jimmy G could have made this happen." Are you saying that 49ers should trade for Kirk Cousins? Now this is getting <laughs> so confusing. I honestly think Kirk Cousins, you know, that was a little bit of a redemption game for him because he's sure. like Shanahan. Once upon a time, we were together in Washington. He right. didn't believe in me. He didn't want to trade for me. I'm better than Brock Purdy. So this was a this was a fu game for Kirk Cousins. Fu game to to Shanahan and to the moon. <laughs> or whatever makes it dark in an <laughs> atmosphere he can't win in. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one last 
last thing, one last track to the future quickly. I'm mm. looking at the Super Bowl odds. The Chiefs are the favorites right now at plus 450. Right behind them, plus 460 was the 49ers going into Monday night's game. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Chiefs are the surefire bet? Do you still feel good about them at plus 450? I, I have them at 6-1. to one. I had Mahomes at 6-1 to one to win MVP. I think those are solid bets for the next three to five years or whatever, as long as uh, – you know, uh, Mahomes' wife still has the secret handshake <laughs> with uh, Taylor Swift. I think it's going to be a good bet. So if you have them at six to one, what are they? What did you say they were going plus four fifty? Plus four fifty. It, it still goes through Kansas City. Nobody wants to give them credit, but we saw what they did Sunday. That's the team you could expect in late December, January. And I would expect the odds makers here at FanDuel to start giving Travis Kelsey some credit when you look at Offensive Player of the Year or you yeah. look at MVP. Obviously, it's tougher a tight end to win MVP, but it right. seems like Pat Mahomes is getting all the love, and Travis Kelsey's putting up some big numbers. In fact, you got tight ends like Shannon Sharp saying that he's the GOAT tight end already, even though right. his career's still going. That's if crazy. If you can get Shannon Sharp and like 150,000 Swifties to vote for the MVP or Offensive Player of the Year award, Kelsey's right in there. <laughs> well, let's see what the Swifties can do. It's not yeah. like the NBA All-Star voting, but we'll right. see. We'll, we can figure that out. we got a lot to work on, Sal. <laughs> know, we got a lot, right. to, lot to do. Um, one last thing before we take a break and okay. we come back and we talk some more football. The World Series is mm-hmm. right on the verge of happening right now. We just saw the Texas Rangers last night knock out the Astros in Houston. Quite a, quite a crazy game. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of conversations about who's the favorite. We got Game 7, the Phillies, um, you know, taking on the Diamondbacks. Is there someone right now that you like that you would say, let's let's get the money on them before the, the World Series is actually set? Well, I might. It's probably not smart because the Rangers have a minus in front of their number mm-hmm. because they are the only participant in the <laughs> World Series right now. Minus 136. Phillies going into this Game 7 tonight at plus 220 and the D-backs plus 430. I'm going to stick with the Rangers. I can't believe what they're able to do on the road, and that is a very valuable uh, cog to have right there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Rangers. That's uh, th- it's just a crazy thing that they've won, and the Astros could not beat them at home. Yeah, the Rangers are a fun team, too. They're kind of a likable team. I feel like the Diamondbacks have America's heart right now as kind of the underdogs. But Screw the uh, Phillies. Yeah. We can't look for the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, Come right, on. right. Let's leave it at that. Enough. Yeah, enough. That's, that's our final thing. Enough. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do some over-under reactions and some line look-aheads for Week 8. back to Through the Ringer. I'm still here with Cousin Sal. And Sal, we get to play one of my favorite games. I say it every week. I give you reactions. You say it's an overreaction, an underreaction, and then we figure out uh, if it's somewhere in between. Okay. So let's start this with This is the, one of your favorite. I, I, you don't pick I, up new favorite games during no, the week? No, I just have one favorite Doesn't game. Change. That's it. It never right. changes. Maybe uh, in February it could change, okay. but we'll see about that. We'll talk to our Can't boss, wait. Bill Simmons, and we'll figure it out. But uh, let's start with this one, because this is a controversial topic in the NFL. The tush push, everybody's talking about it, but I say this to you, Sal. The tush push is the Best play in the NFL. If you didn't see it, the Eagles four for four on fourth down Sunday night. I don't care. Nope. Overreaction. <laughs> I hate it. I know it's going to come across as sour grapes because I'm a Cowboys fan. This right. is my rival, and this is the only team in the NFL and seem to figure out how to pull it off. But listen, this was illegal in 2005. For some reason, they brought it back. This used to be assisting a ball character, 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 <laughs> ball carrier. <laughs> Most guys is a and character, a character yes. probably too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Was illegal. And they should go back to that because the answer to it is like, well, just stop it if you have a problem with it. Like, no, it has to be a football play. If we prick up Jalen Hurts and a, a Hava Nagila <laughs> being bar mitzvah in a chair and throw him over the line of scrimmage, the answer 
answer isn't first just down. stop it, you know, right? <laughs> it would be like, no, no, that doesn't look right. That's right. weird. And I will say this, poor Jason Kelsey, because we all talk about, you know, Jalen Hurts, he gets all the credit. What a, what a strong, like his leg strength. We talk about all that. But poor Jason Kelsey's at the bottom of the pile. Yeah. There's 12 guys on top of him every single time. And as much as Travis Kelsey is getting all this coverage, I feel like Jason Kelsey deserves some love. He's doing the hard work there. I hate it. I'm not going to give any of those guys love. <laughs> no love. Uh, no love lost there. Obviously, the tush push will be a conversation. Joe Shad said, get it out the game. Um, and then people were going at him. They were bringing up clips from the 1800s when they were playing football, right. showing the tush push from the original game so Great. who knows it's been the game for quite some time but also back then they kind of used football to recreate war so maybe we've moved on that's from that, true we'll yes see. yeah, yeah it's take a, a horse and buggy to the game too <laughs> yeah. while it's a little bit it. different uh let's keep it going i got another one for you sal lamar jackson is a top five quarterback in the nfl is that an overreaction or an underreaction mm. all right let's see uh mahomes Burrow, mm. uh, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush. Sorry, doesn't make it there. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think he's in there. I think he's, look, there are games that I wish he did a little more, like when I bet against him, when I bet against the Steelers and bet on him. And his numbers don't really pop for a starting quarterback who would be in the top five. I think he has eight touchdowns and three interceptions, but he has almost 370 rushing yards. He can close out games better than anybody, I think. And I feel like if you need him to drive the field, he's one of the few that could do it. So I would say, who did I say? I had uh, Hertz. I had Allen, I had Burrow, I had Mahomes, and I think he's number five. Yeah, there you go. Lamar Jackson, number five. Very underrated part about him as well. This is his third offense that he's played in. So he's had a lot of different offensive coordinators. He's learned a lot of different offensive systems. And he seemingly now has mastered knowing all those different systems, how to actually play within himself. And a lot of times when guys get paid, they check out, but Lamar Jackson has checked in. So right. it's good we to know see a guy who got football. paid and checked out. We were talking about him before. The, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Who was that? I don't know. Just... Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it some other time. Next up the NFL needs to make the yellow first down line on television the official first down line is that an overreaction or an underreaction listen it's an underreaction anything would be better than the current system where <laughs> yes. an elderly man jogs up to the line mm. of scrimmage pile on piles bodies and says right, right about here downs like yeah this seems right let's go I don't care how many millions are won or lost on this decision here mm-hmm. yeah they figured it out in tennis do it for football there's a chip in the football for what so that Roger Goodell could be like hey isn't this cool we have a chip use the chip it's doesn't matter if you don't use the chip. And they use the chip for the Toy Story broadcast right. and the Nickelodeon broadcast, so why not use the chip for good and actually help football? And Rams fans out there very upset because obviously it came down to a spot in that Steelers game, and Sean McVay was upset about you know them not going to review it, but the the rules are different this year about being able to review the play, so it, it all ends up with a Rams loss and a Steelers right. win. Just so get it right. Don't we want right. to just get it right? right? Like That bothers me more than like non-pass interference calls and everything else. Just get it right. That's, yeah. I think that's the message of the show here. Next one, Sal. The Dolphins can't win the AFC with their defense. Is mm. that an overreaction or an underreaction? It's a slightly overreaction because I think the offense gets pushed around too. Now, they're probably mm-hmm. second in the league, the Dolphins' offense, if you look at it first or second numbers-wise. But when they lose the battle in the trenches, they seem to lose it on both sides. When they have the ball or when they're defending, we saw the tush push. They got annihilated, you know, much like every team. But, yeah, the defense, 34 they gave up to the Chargers in a winning effort, 48 to the Bills and 31 to Philly, they're losing the line of scrimmage, and that's going to be a problem in January. But they scored 70 points against the Broncos. That's true. So yeah. That's what everyone wants to talk I take about. It all so, back. Yeah, so Over, that's, that's, underreaction. that's the real that's the real conversation. But shout out to the Dolphins defense. They did score a touchdown in that game. I mean, you get a pick six, so that uh, yeah. you know is better than not getting a pick six. So I don't blame the defense. Speaking of blame, let's talk about the Chargers because everyone is trying to point the finger and figure figure out who actually is the reason why this team with seemingly so much talent continues to um, lose. Right, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Let's see what Brandon Staley had. 
had to say about that. Yeah, Daniel, I just didn't do a good enough job getting our team ready to play. Um, you know, we did not execute in pass rush or pass coverage in the first half. Far too many explosions. Um, you know, and that ultimately is my responsibility, and I didn't do a good enough job. I thought in the second half, we made good adjustments, played much better, um, but there was a lot of damage done in that first half and just didn't do anything well enough in the first half. There you have it. So Staley says to the rest of the world and all the beat rep- reporters in the room, he says, I'm the problem, it's me. Very Taylor Swift of him to mm. do that. Um, but the rest of us are saying, could it be Justin Herbert? So the, the, what, the statement I have for you, Sal, Brandon Staley is not the biggest problem with the Chargers. Overreaction or underreaction? Not the biggest problem. Not, <laughs> I can see why this is your favorite game. Uh, I'm going to say an underreaction. I, it's still Staley's fault, I think, mm. for the most part. But we could look at Justin Herbert. He's got a losing record in the NFL. He's not winning these big games, right? He just right. doesn't come out on top. I feel like he's the Cowboys West uh, because I'm watching my team over and over and over. I like the Chargers under eight and a half wins. It's minus 122 right now. I don't know. I don't want to pass blame. That's not what I do, Tate. That's not why I got into this business. Yeah, we don't like to pass blame here, but uh, we also talk about first coach fired a lot. Maybe we spin that positive. First coach hired Ooh. after Brandon Staley gets fired. You know, right. And then we have a conversation. Maybe Jim Harbaugh in the mix. Who knows what happens with the Chargers? I like last coach fired, and then you have to wait like 11 years before <laughs> right. your bet pays off. Until Bill Belichick gets done with that contract yeah, right, he just exactly. signed, right? That'll be the next one we talk about. Speaking of Bill Belichick, let's do it. Bill Belichick saved the Pat season with a win over division rival the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it's a little bit of an overreaction, I but think what so. a signing. What an offseason <laughs> signing. A secret, too. A little cheaty, cheaty, you think, yeah. for the Patriots here. He is going to coach from the coffin. He's never done with this Patriots team. Uh, they're not a playoff team, though. So to say they saved the season, it's not happening. I think on Fandle they're thirteen to one to make the playoffs. I do like them over five and a half wins. I argued about this with Simmons, <laughs> but look at their schedule. They have three already: Commanders, Colts, Giants, Broncos, Jets. They should be uh, favored in most of those, all winnable. I don't know that you get a trophy for winning over five and a half games, so he might not like it too much, but I think I'm going to collect on that. Yeah, I think he's going to win some money, and that's what a lot of people want to do in this business. And uh, Kay Adams, shout out to Kay Adams on uh, FanDuel TV. She said that Bill Belichick possibly traded. So there's all types of conversations happening about Bill Belichick's future, but uh, Patriots fans are staying loyal, of course. That's what they do, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Speaking of loyalty, let's talk about my loyalty to my North Carolina Tar Heels. I will say this to you, Sal. Uh, A loss with your favorite team does not count if it happens on the CW? Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? <laughs> well, what are you talking about exactly? <laughs> well, North Carolina allegedly played a game against Virginia, South's oldest rivalry this right. Saturday, you know, undefeated team trying to make a path to the playoff and yeah. lost to a 1-5 in five Virginia team. But I'm saying to myself, maybe it didn't happen if it was on the CW. I didn't yes, see it. I know. There's a lot of stuff about <laughs> F-Boy Island. I think the F stands for football. Yeah. For Kasha? I'm not sure. I don't know. But all I do know is that they did a promo for F-Boy Island yeah. in the middle of a Carolina football game and, uh, I had to really check myself. Boy, yeah, well, yeah, season two just ended. Season three is coming Come out. on, CW. Class it up with World's Funniest Pets or whatever you had on before. America's Funniest Home Video. Some, yeah. The WB, would, that frog would never let this happen. Exactly. I know that. Um, let's go to the riverboat now and see what we got this week. We're going to do a little bit of prop culture. And the question that the riverboat captain has for you, Sal, which celebrity would you most want to have a secret handshake with? Ooh. Let's look at the odds. We've got Taylor Swift as the favorite at 3-1. to one. Of course, she had her handshake this weekend with Pat Mahomes. 
Mahomes' wife. We got LeBron James, who loves a handshake at five to one. Kim Kardashian, twenty to one. The Golden Bachelor, Gary, at uh, twelve hundred to one. And then the field is even odds. Who do you like there, Sal? Wow, is it really a secret handshake <laughs> if uh, all the world could see uh, right. Mahomes' wife and Taylor Swift? I mean, that's not not much of a secret. I I'm just going to be honest. That yeah. that was not good. Like you know, you the like cameras that? on you. You just don't do that. You just let it be. If anything, that that hurt Taylor Swift. I always thought she had a little bit of rhythm, right? right. I mean, I, I see all these people fan over her concerts, how amazing they yeah, are. Yeah. After I saw that little shimmy, I'm a little concerned. Did, how long did they work that out for? Uh, they, not long like, enough. So, yeah. Like, LeBron makes you go to practice mm-hmm. and, and figure it out. And then if you don't get it, he cuts you. I mean, that, that's have, the way to approach it. Yeah, we have some nice options. I would skip the Golden Bachelor. I wouldn't <laughs> want to do anything that it would, you know, startle him um, into a <laughs> He's stroke. such a sweet guy, too. He really like, is. He, doesn't, he seems like a hugger, oh, not a handshake. Waved to him from afar. <laughs> um, Kim Kardashian, I would request that we use green night vision if right. we shook, shook hands, right? And the hands were uh, completely nude. Uh, I'm going to say Howie Mandel, legendary mm. germaphobe, right? Right. Get that hand. As little as you know, I'll rub my hand in dirt, maybe a little uh, Nutella. Also, Howie and I. a power move, right? When you see Howie Mandel and you're the only person he'll right. shake hands yeah, with, exactly. right? The rest of the room is like, what do they have that we don't have? Uh, people are trying to cozy up to him. I think that's a good pick. I'm going to go with Monte Ellis, former Golden State Warrior oh. back in the day. Always had some great handshakes before the games. Um, I actually think that he uh, made Steph Curry kind of become like more fanfare before games because Monte was so good. At it. So, How tall is he, Monte? Was, uh, was that six a weird? One. Oh, he's only six one. Yeah. Okay, so you're right there. Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a guard. You know what I mean? Okay. Just hanging out, having fun, dapping people Good up. Shout out guys. to Monte Ellis. Yeah, we got we got something special there. So we'll get our handshake going. Let's look ahead to the Lions this weekend. It is Week Eight, Sal. Can mm-hmm. you believe that? Time is flying by in the NFL. And let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars going up to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Steelers getting two and a half points at home in this game. Do you like the Jags on the road? Yeah, I do like the. Well, listen, the Steelers team. A little bit full of crap. Mm-hmm. We know what they do. Four and two, but like uh, a little bit of an eye roll when you say that record. Sure. Tremendous eye roll, right? <laughs> Everyone wants to fire the offensive coordinator, and they mm-hmm. come away with, like you said, four to six wins. But I think I, I'm onto something with this uh, Steelers opponent to win the first half, but then the Steelers to win the game. I got 10 to one odds on that with the Rams to win the first half and the Steelers to win the game. Same kind of thing. I think two and a half is about right because the Jags are better. They play good defense, maybe not as good as the Steelers, but it's in Pittsburgh, so it's right around there. But I'm doing that Jags first half, Steelers win the game. And Trevor Lawrence won his first game in New Orleans, and the line was a little bit weird there, and we were wondering why, but I think it was about Trevor Lawrence not being able to play well in New Orleans. But it looks like this Jags team can travel, so I I like the Jags as well in this one. Next game, we have the Los Angeles Rams taking on your Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Cowboys favored by six and a half points in this game. Um, a, A line I would stay away from, but how do you try to handicap? I don't love this. I don't even love this as a teaser. And I hate that even that they're coming off a bye because Mm -hmm. uh, they're playing the Rams. This is just And the the Rams just got screwed. I mean, they they got something to play for if they are going to play for it. Exactly. We don't know if we'll have the refs on our side like the Steelers (laughs) did. But, yeah, I I don't know. I don't love this situation. I feel like Sean McVay will game plan for us well. uh, So it may be a little high. I once thought it was a little low, but six and a half. I could see it going uh, lower a little bit. Do the Rams have something to play for quickly as an aside? Because I saw a lot of people saying that, you know, at the end of that game, they seem content with just taking the loss. They're supposed to be kind of bottoming it out a little bit this year, but 
I still think that Sean McVay's there to contend. I think I'm so not buying too. that. I was always I was wrong about that. Believe me, I bet them to have the fewest wins in the NFL. I'm mm-hmm. I'm so wrong. They are going to compete in every game. Yeah, and I like Cooper Rush. He's back in the fold, so that's good for the Rams. That'll be a fun game. Rams Cowboys. We'll be watching that one next game. Sal, we have the Cleveland Browns taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks uh, getting three points in this one at home. Given uh, three, right? Uh, given yeah, three yeah. points. Sorry, yeah. they're, they're favored by uh, three points in this game at home. The Browns have been hard to handicap. Deshaun Watson concussion was he benched? PJ. Walker, is he good enough? Uh, Geno Smith's had some up and downs. I don't know how to talk about this game, but it will be a good game, I'm sure. What do you like about this Yeah, one? I'm leaning Seahawks a little. This was two and a half. I thought that was low. It went to three. I think they should get the full three at home. Geno Smith was on his way to a great game. He had two first-half touchdowns, albeit against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's defense didn't travel well, didn't adjust after the San Francisco game. Gave up a bunch of points to Indianapolis. I expect a similar result here, but uh, Seattle winning this. Yeah, Gardner Minshew kind of carved him up a little bit there. So uh, the Browns defense will be tested again on the road in Seattle. Next game, we have uh, two rookie quarterbacks dueling it out. We got the Houston Texans going to Carolina to face Bryce Young. Panthers getting three points at home in this one. Do the Panthers have a chance? This is it, Tate. This This is is, is one of your few chances here. By the way, I like the Texans. I think they're like a little bit of a sneaky pick to maybe win that. AFC South, but really, if you're going to do it, it's going to be off a bye against the Texans at home. Do you feel confident? Forget I do. I do, do, because Bryce Young, I think he's kind of getting knocked a little bit. I think that they don't really have much help around him. The offensive line isn't great either, um, but he has pride, and he also has patience, and I think that he's been patiently waiting for the one game to show why he was the number one pick. A lot of people in the building were trying to advocate for C.J. Stroud. Ownership at the top was saying they like yeah. Stroud as well, so this is Bryce Young's chance. Send a message. I'm supposed to be the number one pick. Wow, he's you said all it. that with a straight face. God bless you. <laughs> I'm yeah. doing my best, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it uh, something positive for the Carolina Panthers. Hopefully they can win a game. This should be a good one. Again, getting three points at home. Next up, we have the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lions um, favored by eight and a half points at home coming off that weird game against the Ravens. Do you think the Lions bounce back in this Yes, one? yes. I, I like them laying the eight and a half, but also tease this with anything before it goes to nine. Everything mm-hmm. you got, tease the Lions. Awful loss, like you said. They'll bounce back against the Raiders, who don't win this kind of game, really. I don't know why they thought this would be a good night game. At what point this was going to be good, but uh, not the case. So, uh, Lions in a romp. Did you have fun watching Brian Hoyer play quarterback? Oh, yeah. I thought we were done with that. It's like every <laughs> single year I think I'm done with him or Tyrod Taylor and these guys. I mean, they have nine no. lives. We also think Mark Davis is done with that ridiculous haircut, but it keeps happening. He never happening. will be. Yeah. He never yeah. will be. Shout out to Mark Davis. Last game I have for you, Sal, is the Battle of New York. We got the New York Jets taking on the New York Giants. Giants are uh, getting three points in this game as the home team. Who do you like in this one? It's pathetic because it is at MetLife. Both teams claim this place to be their own, uh, but you know, like you said, the Jets are favored by three the Giants should be a little bit ashamed of themselves they're a playoff (laughs) team last year and they're catching three from the Jets and Zach Wilson it's not Aaron Rodgers you understand Mm -hmm. it's Zach Wilson at quarterback and now for the Giants there's a little bit of a quarterback controversy Ty Taylor did well so I would take the Giants plus the points here yeah and I think Tyrod Taylor did look really good and he looked like he was in control of that offense and the Giants I mean Thibodeau dropped a pick six in this game there were some moments where the Giants could really open it up so I like the Giants as well Sal we appreciate you coming on the show as always we can find you on Sundays Ringer Wise Guys and on Fridays Cousin Sal's winning weekend who do you have on this week yeah this week we have uh, Drew Bledsoe you ever hear of him oh my gosh before your time a little bit yeah what what a great quarterback Back. Yeah, going to be good. Thank you so much, Sal, and Thanks, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. 
Welcome back to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. And joining us now, you know him from the Ringer Wise Guys. You know him from East Coast Bias. You know him from everywhere around the Ringer. And he, of course, is the great John Jastrzemski. JJ, what's up, man? Tate, appreciate the kind introduction. Uh, A lot cooking. Great weekend of sports. Great time of the year. My favorite sports month of the year. So, obviously, a pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's great to be in the month of October. It's good for all sports fans out there. We'll talk a little baseball at the end. But first, let's start with something that's shaking the world of sports. It's two words, JJ. And I know you're upset about this. Tush, push. Your thoughts. I've had enough. And listen, (laughs) the Eagles aren't breaking any rules. They do it better than anybody else. You can't sit there and tell me it's enjoyable to watch. You can't sit there and preach health and safety when basically it's a rugby scrum with guys on the Philadelphia Eagles getting down and dirty to get the yard. And yeah, it might be sour grapes because I'm a Miami Dolphins fan and I had to see it multiple times on Sunday Night Football just 24 hours ago. But yeah, I'm down on it. And Tate, it's going to end up being, I think, a big topic of discussion. Maybe it's a big game in December. Maybe we're talking about the Eagles in a playoff game, winning a playoff game or winning a Super Bowl because of it. I think the competition committee has got to say enough is enough. If you can't push a defender forward, the idea that you can push offensive players forward to me is just absolute nonsense. And it used to be out of the game and then it came back into the game. And now we're seeing the Eagles manipulate the rule. Right. And that's tip of the cap to them for making it happen. We have to respect that at some level, but you're right. I mean, it seems like um, it's ridiculous that it is a thing and that we are talking about it, but it does happen. Let's talk about your Dolphins a little bit because their defense, a lot of conversations after the game about is the defense good enough to get this team over the hump to the AFC championship game, to the Super Bowl, whatever you want to call it. How are you feeling about the Dolphins right now? So I got to admit, Tate, I am way more positive than most of the national media surrounding my football team. And I was down in the dumps when they got shellacked by the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago. That was not the case in this game against an angry, ticked-off Eagle team that lost their first game of the year in one of the toughest places to play in all of football. The Dolphins were down three starters on the offensive line. They were without Xavier Howard. They were without Jalen Ramsey. And that's a seven-point game until the tush push and the final drive of the game took over where Philadelphia kind of asserted themselves. And look, I know what the narrative is going to be around the Dolphins. Oh, the two good teams they played, they didn't beat. Buffalo at Buffalo. Philadelphia at Philadelphia. I got news for you. A whole lot of teams around the league are not winning in those particular environments. Look, Miami... They will have plenty of chances to beat high-caliber, high-quality teams. They play Kansas City and Germany in two weeks. They'll have a game with the Ravens on New Year's Eve. They'll play the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. They get the Jets a couple of times. Miami will have an opportunity to show what they're made of. They got to get healthier as a team, though, because the team they ran into Philadelphia was not good enough to go and win that game. Yeah, win out a few weeks, Holland in concussion protocol right now. So there's a lot of conversations about health with this Dolphins team. But the other big conversation is that they're going to be on hard knocks, the in-season version of hard knocks. Your thoughts on that? And do you think this is good news for Dolphins fans? So I got to admit, Tate, full disclosure, I've never watched the in-season version <laughs> of Hard Knocks. Now, I watched when the Jets were on it, obviously, near and dear to my heart, Mr. New York, New York. Uh, you know, I've seen Hard Knocks plenty of times throughout the summer when we're itching for football. But, you know, the mid-season Hard Knocks, it's kind of lost in the shuffle. So, 
for me, listen, I, I can't get enough of Mike McDaniel. I can't get enough of Christian Wilkins and Tyree Kill. I think they're characters. I think they're charismatic dudes. So I think they're going to be rock stars. Uh, I get an inside look at a team that's in first place in the AFC East. That's, to me, one of the more compelling storylines in the NFL, you know, seven weeks, eight weeks into the season. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I get it, Tate. If I was running the Miami Dolphins, I don't know if I'd necessarily love it mid-year. Like, I got a good thing going. Ain't broke, don't fix it. But from a fan's perspective, dude, I'll be watching every week. Can't wait. I can't wait to hear your updates on it. Um, people forget Miami scored 70 points. Uh, we talked about that ad nauseum. They could have set the record, decided not to do that. As you look back, if the season were to unfold where you don't make a run and go to the Super Bowl or win the AFC or whatever it may be, are you going to look back and kick yourself and say you should have set that record against the Broncos? No, I couldn't care less about that. Okay. And – you know, I gotta I gotta say this, Tate. I, I know the Dolphins are five and two. I know they're in first place in the AFC East. Let me remind you of something. They have not won a playoff game twenty plus years. Right. That is an eternity. I mean, the last time the Dolphins won a playoff game, I was shoveling snow, the seventh grade. Jay Fiedler was the quarterback. Lamar Smith walking it off against the idiot kicker Mike Vandejack and Peyton Manning in one of his early postseason games. It has been a long time coming for the Miami Dolphins to go and win a playoff game. So, yes, do I want to see them go on a deep January run? Of course. Yes, in my lifetime, I've never seen them in the Super Bowl. But if we're sitting here and the Dolphins go and win a division and they win a playoff game and they go and lose to, I don't know, Kansas City or they go and lose to Baltimore, like, I'm sorry. That's a good season. No other way around it. That's a good year. Yeah. And if you watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective, you did see the Dolphins in the Super Bowl play the Eagles. So there's a lot of people that were excited about that matchup on Sunday night just for that reason. Um, one last thing on the Dolphins. They play the Patriots this week, divisional game. Patriots get a big win over the Bills. Um, the conversation is more positive about the Pats right now. Are you worried about New England going up against a divisional rival there with the Dolphins? Well, listen, anytime you play in a division game, it scares you a little bit. But I think the Dolphins coming off a loss, New England coming off a win is advantageous for Miami. And then you throw in the other aspect here, Tate. New England never wins in Miami. Even when <laughs> New England was New England, they looked at Miami and it was a house of horrors for them. I mean, they lost a game I went to years ago when Jake Cutler beat them outright on a Monday night. You had that Miami miracle. Right. You had a lot of wacky things happening to Patriots over the years. So, uh, look, it could be closer than you think. Maybe New England covers the number. Miami's going to win a game. Yeah, I think Miami wins that game as well. Um, that was a nice little Dolphins moment with us. I wanted to get in uh, and talk about the Dolphins a little bit because they are the focal point, uh, a big storyline throughout the NFL. One last thing on the Dolphins before we take a break, JJ. How did you become a Dolphins fan? I think we've talked about this before, but I just have to rehash this because uh, is it Ace Ventura related? Because there's a lot of people that like the Dolphins because of Dan Marino and Ace Ventura. I think it's a combination of the two and the jets were God awful when I was a right. kid and the giants were God awful. So you kind of add all that up. Uh, I've become a lifelong dolphin fan, by the way, I will be Ace Ventura for Halloween oh this weekend. Gosh. Don't spoil the fun here on FanDuel TV, but that's going to be the Halloween costume. I'm Ace. That's the and my lovely wife. Kate is going to be snowflake, man. 
That's a, a great moment in time. We're going to have to get some pictures of that. Maybe we'll show that on Ringer Wise, guys. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back with JJ, we're going to talk about the New York Giants and the New York Jets meeting in MetLife Stadium. Welcome back. We're still here with JJ, and now we're going to talk a little Jets-Giants. We talked to Sal about the line here, JJ. Uh, Giants getting three points at home against the New York Jets, led by Zach Wilson. First and foremost, um, just this rivalry. Where does it stand right now? Is it chippy? What does everyone say to New York about these two teams? Well, it's weird, Tate, because unlike, let's say, Yankees and Mets, where you go and play a handful of games throughout the regular season, you don't get that with the Jets and the Giants. They play a dopey preseason game in August. Who cares? And they basically go and play one out of every four years. Now, that all being said, there have been some chippy moments over the years between the Jets and the Giants. The one that vividly comes to mind is 2011. They're playing a Christmas Eve game. This was the Jets fresh off of back-to-back AFC championship game appearances. The Giants needed to win out to go and make the playoffs. That was the... uh, the Victor Cruz game, Rex Ryan covering up the Super Bowl trophies, and the Jets went in the tank after that game, and the Giants kind of took it, parlayed the momentum, and went all the way to the Super Bowl and beat Brady and Belichick for the second time with Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin. So when we talk Jet-Giant, that comes to mind. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a moment against the Giants. This is back in 2015, but I'm taking this little trip down memory lane just basically to show you there isn't that much of a history with the Jets and the Giants. And I know for someone that does New York sports on a day-in and day-out basis, I love the idea that these teams are matching up. And I like the fact that the Jets are coming off their biggest win in a while with the win over Philadelphia. They're kind of basking in the glory of that. And look, the Giants have gotten off to a rotten start, but the last two weeks they have looked far more competitive. Tyrod Taylor has done a good job of moving the offense and all of a sudden, you look at the NFC, that last wild card spot's there for the taking. And for the Jets, AFC's not as good as we thought it was going to be. Buffalo, not as good as we thought they were going to be. They're only a game and a half back of Miami, and they got two games with Miami. So, you know, possibilities galore here, and at least there's a little sizzle going in for Jets-Giants on Sunday. Yeah, I like the sizzle, and I think there's actually some excitement right now with the Giants because they do look different with Tyrod Taylor, right, playing quarterback. I know Daniel Jones got a contract. I know he's the quarterback of the future and the present, but right now he's out. How much more inspiring is this New York team with Tyrod Taylor under center? I wouldn't use the word inspiring. I would say (laughs) they're more competent mm. does that does that work for you more professional right more yeah. competent than what they were against seattle and what they were against miami look i they scored 14 points against washington it's not like they went and, and lit the world on fire but they're taking shots down the field they're actually putting the ball in the end zone which to your point is without a doubt a step in the right direction for them and, and i think for this jet game when daniel jones is healthy he's the quarterback However, number one, I don't know if he's healthy. Number two, I think the worst idea imaginable is putting a beat-up quarterback in this environment against that Jet defense and that Jet defensive line. 
Let Daniel Jones have his first game be a get-right spot against the Raiders. Let it go be against a bad defense. The Jets have one of the best fronts in the NFL. That is not the game you want to be making you welcome to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think for the Giants, the best thing they could do is start Tyrod Taylor this week and see if he keeps those positive vibes going. And what are the players to kind of highlight or spotlight in this game is Leonard Williams, right? Who's seen both sides of this quote-unquote rivalry, you know, goes to the Jets and gets drafted, now with the Giants. So he's maybe the guy that we talked to after the game to get some thoughts on if this rivalry can turn into something. Is there anyone going into this game that you kind of circle and you say he could be the game changer? Maybe like Thibodeau, right? Also on the Giants' front line, could have had a pick six but dropped it this past weekend. Is there someone that you're saying this could be a big game a big weekend for them yeah it's a very good question um I'm gonna look at those two guys on the giant defensive line you hit on one of them in Kayvon Thibodeau he's shown serious signs of life over the last couple weeks the Giants desperately need that they took him in the top five of the draft they need him to go be a difference maker Dexter Lawrence they paid a lot of money Mm -hmm. to he was all world for them last year and I think the giant avenue of winning this game is they got to go and shut down Zach Wilson and force some mistakes. Look, the Jets are feeling their oats, Tate. They are coming off a huge win. They had a bye week. Everybody's talking them up. They're getting all this positive press, and they're the Jets. Mm-hmm. You know how that normally ends. So that's something I'm, look- I'm looking to take advantage of. You know, the Jets defense that's been much better the last two weeks how do they fare against the Jet offense that, yes, is one back-to-back weeks, but not exactly lighting the scoreboard on fire? Yeah, yeah, to say the least. Um, another fun little wrinkle about this game, it happened on the Manning cast on Monday night. Aaron Rodgers was a guest on the show. He and Eli had a little back and forth, and it sounds like Eli Manning and Aaron Rodgers are going to go out on the field and play a little catch before the game. How much is that going to be uh, discussed and covered within the New York media scene? Well, listen, Aaron Rodgers is still dying to have that spotlight. I mean, (laughs) he's getting paid handsomely on that Pat McAfee show, so he still has his chance to say his piece once a week. He's doing a Manning cast on Monday night. And it's just such a bummer that he's not on the field doing his thing for the New York Jets. So, listen, the sooner you see Aaron Rodgers back on the field and not make a headlines off the field, I think that's what I'd be excited about. But, yeah, sure. People want to fantasize about him coming back this year, Tate. If you if you want to get in that camp, be my guest. Have yeah, fun. and if the Jets win this game, JJ, then I think the conversation starts to lead back to what Aaron Rodgers promised us. He said he was going to come out of the darkness and he was going to rise again and he was going to be ready for the playoff run. I mean, if they win this game, there's a conversation to be had about could Zach Wilson get them in position for Aaron Rodgers to step back in and lead them to a Super Bowl a la Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning. Is that possible? Is Aaron Rodgers preaching uh, some sort of uh, future scenario where he's a Super Bowl champion for the New York Jets? The idea of Aaron Rodgers getting back on a football field this year just seems so outlandish, and it seems so far-fetched. It's crazy to think about. Tate, I'm in the business of good storylines. Sign me up for that storyline at some point this year. That'd be a lot of fun. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers can get back on a field and play in December, that would be must-see TV. So I'd love to see it. I just don't see it. Uh, JJ, quickly, we've talked about the Giants, talked about Jets, we've talked football, but quickly, the World Series is on the cusp of happening here. we got the Rangers always already in the World Series, and now we got a Game 7, Phillies at home, taking on the Diamondbacks. Who do you like in the World Series? So I would have said the Phillies 24 hours ago, right. but they're going to have their hands full in a game seven with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Give Arizona a lot of credit. They've been spunky. Finally winning a game at Citizens Bank Park. 
How about the Texas Rangers? Mm. Bruce Bochy, Avaldi, Montgomery. They got horses. They got power galore. It's going to be one hell of a World Series if we get Texas and Philly. And I do think, Tate, we're going to have Texas and Philly. And I'm going to say Texas finds a way to win the World Series. Oh, there you have it. The Texas Rangers on the record right now, JJ. I like that pick. I'm a big Corey Seager guy, so I love to see that. One thing on the flip side, we did see some news come out of this game. Astros lose Game 7, obviously, at home. And it looks like Dusty Baker is stepping away from the game, which is also some big news in the MLB world. That's a bummer. I love Dusty Baker, one of the legendary figures over the last 30-plus years. It was great to see him finally win a World Series as a manager. He's colorful. He's he's old school. The players love him. Uh, that's a big blow. And to keep that Houston team together, and all the nonsense and drama with the cheating scandal, they still have seven straight ALCS. Yeah, he's one of those guys, probably one of the only people that could handle that situation with such grace in general and also take all those questions that were thrown at him, even though he wasn't a part of the whole situation. So um, tip of the cap to Dusty Baker and uh, the Astros. They did have a great season. I know they don't feel that way after a Game 7 loss, but the Rangers are a really good team. Um, JJ, where can we find all your amazing work before I let you get out of here? I appreciate that, Tate. New York, New York, three days a week. You got Ringer Wives, guys, Sunday, 11 a.m. on FanDuel TV. And then I'm with House and Raheem, East Coast Bias, twice a week and Thursdays on FanDuel TV. Well, there you have it. He is John Jastrzemski, the hardest working man in show business. We appreciate you coming on through the Ringer, and we'll have you back soon. 